We're covering the whole story of Noah and the ark and the flood, and that covers three chapters of Genesis. So we're just going to do excerpts of the story. Um, but the reading is still a little longer than normal. That's why we tried to trim down the service a little bit today. And um, so rather than you listening to me read all that and then preach on it, we're going to try to save my voice a little bit and have our friends read it. Um, but also, I, I thought it would be cool since we're reading about the Noah story that we would um, have these two, male and female, read the story for us. Huh? Okay. Dad jokes are free, by the way. Okay. So, before we read, let me just remind us that... Um, I want to tell you that everything we're going to read here about Noah and the flood and the ark and the animals, um, our church believes is absolutely true and historical, okay? Um, And I'm not going to have time to get into all the details and the whys and wherefores about that, but just so you know where we're coming from, we believe this is all historical. But as I said a couple of weeks ago... um, Genesis is not necessarily written uh, like any other history book. I mean, there is history. It is true historical uh, events. But Moses had in mind, and the Holy Spirit had in mind, a particular kind of history. And it's the history of redemption. It's the history of the story of God's relationship with his people and how he rescues us, he redeems us. Um, And so the... uh, the details in the story, um, some of them are there to just sh- to show you this was real. This really happened. But what we're going to focus on as we look at this story and the others that are coming in Genesis is focus on what, was, what is God doing um, to reconcile his people to himself and to renew all things. So that's our focus And uh, we're going to start to um, take Genesis at a a quicker clip than we have. Um, And and that's what we're going to focus on, the history of God redeeming his people. So Taylor's going to start. Joshua's going to finish up for us. Uh, This is the word of the Lord. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord regretted that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him to his heart. So the Lord said, I will blot out man whom I have created from the face of the land, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, for I am sorry that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. These are the generations of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence through them. Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark, and cover it inside and out with pitch. This is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits. Its breadth, 50 cubits. And its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above. 
and set the door of the ark in its side. Make it with lower, second, and third decks. For behold, I will bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh in which it is the breath of life under heaven. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing of all flesh, you shall, you shall bring two of every sort into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female. Of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds. Of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind. Two of every sort shall come into you to, to, to keep them alive. Also take with you every sort of food that is eaten, and store it up. It shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Noah was 600 years old when the flood of waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his sons and his wife and his wife and his sons' wives with him went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. And those that entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore up the ark, and it rose high above the earth. He blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground, man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens. They were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left and those who were with him in the ark. This is from Genesis 8, 1 through 3, and 18, 18 through 21. And then there's Genesis 9, 1, and 18 through 17. But God remembered Noah and all the beasts and all the livestock that were with him in the ark. And God made a wind blow over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of the heavens were closed. The rain from the heavens was restrained, and the waters receded from the earth continually. At the end of 150 days, the waters had abated. So Noah went out and his sons and his wife and his sons' wives with him. Every beast, every creeping thing, and every bird, everything that moves on the earth, went out by families from the ark. Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intentions of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. And then this is Genesis 9, 1 and 18 through 17. And God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Then God said to Noah and his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark. It is for every beast of the earth I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the, to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I have set my bow in the cloud, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth, and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I will see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said this to Noah, This is the sign of the covenant that I have established between me and all flesh that is on the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you both so much. Excellent. Father, would you uh, come and speak to us this morning? 
um, from your word about you. Help us to see you and to trust you and to love you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So perhaps we had a little scare this week of um, maybe some other country spying on us. Uh, maybe, Maybe there was some sort of surveillance balloon that floated over our country um, about 60,000 feet in the air and many are speculating uh, whether the equipment that was being carried by the balloon could see everything that was going on down here and uh, check us out, know our weaknesses, know our vulnerabilities. Oddly enough, that made me think of this story in Genesis, because um, though having China spy on us might be a little scary for some, of course, there's the other ones who are like, where is it? I'll shoot it down. Um, It may be a little scary to think about that. God does see. Listen to what Genesis 6, 11 says, now the earth was corrupt in God's sight. And the earth was filled with violence. And God saw the earth, and behold, it was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted their way on the earth. And that word corrupt is a word that means uh, ruin or destruction. How, how did the earth, God looked from his place way higher and and clearer than 60,000 feet, he looks at the earth and says, it's corrupt, it's filled with violence, it's ruined, it's destroyed. How did it get that way? We learned that in verse 5 of chapter 6. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. You know, this is not uh, the story that when our twins were little and we decorated their nursery in a Noah's Ark theme. It's not really the cute Noah's Ark animals, cuddly animals, and a boat on the water that we have dumbed it down to be. Now, it's okay if you decorate your twins' bedroom with Noah's Ark. That's fine. But the Bible gives us a very, very serious, grim picture in this story. God spies on the earth and all he sees is destruction and violence caused by people whose hearts are full of evil intentions continually. Um, as, I've, as I've studied this this week, um, I thought about, he looks down, and what he sees is the sin of Adam and Eve gone completely viral, and it has is, it is inf- infected everything and everyone to the ruin of all that he made. Um, 
And of course it says it grieved his heart uh, because like Adam and Eve, they had forgotten God. This, this is a description of people who have ignored God. They've forgotten him. He, 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 has no, he has no place in their lives, in their story. And in fact, uh, it's an active rebellion against him. It's an active forgetting of God. And as I've thought about that, um, I'm so convicted because don't you do, don't you do that? Don't I, I do that. I forget God. And, and hey, I'm a pastor, so I, I'm, handling, I'm handling the things of God all week long, talking to people about God, thinking about our church and how we follow God and worship God. God is in my thoughts all the time. And yet I still forget him. It's, it's like the couple that sits at dinner with one another. Um, and there they are right across, the cup, right across the table from each other. But they never acknowledge each other. They never talk. They just do this. That's me. He's right there. He's right. He's with me. And yet I forget him. I ignore him. What does God do with people like that? People like me, people like you. This this story about Noah surprised me. Um, It's about something that I'd never thought it was about. And I'll show you how I found what what we're going to talk about this morning. If you look in your bulletin, and this is going to be fun for all you Bible study nerds like me out there, Uh, look in the bulletin on page five where it says sermon notes. Um, This is uh, my adaptation of um, a chart that one scholar came up with, but several have noticed about uh, Genesis 6, 9 through Genesis 9, 19, that that whole section, and that's why we're looking at it all together today, it all goes together, it flows together. And this is kind of the outline. Um, Look at it with me for a minute. Okay, you have the introduction at the top and the conclusion at the bottom. This little form that's taking place is what uh, scholars call it a chiasm. Um, it's from the Greek letter chi, which looks like an X. Um, and what they have found in the biblical literature is that um, it, they're written with this certain shape a lot of times, and you can discover them, and it's like half of an X. And so it's, I drew it over there too, so it's like this. And that's what this is. And the way they find them is they find these parallel things. So let's look at it real quick. At the beginning of this account, there's an introduction. At the end, there's a conclusion. Fine. Look at A. Then 
chapter 6 goes on to talk about violence in God's creation. But at the end of this section, down there at A prime, I think they call that, covenant blessing is in God's creation. All right? Let's go a level closer to the middle. In chapter 6, it goes on, and God speaks, and he says, I will destroy all the people. But down in chapter 8, God speaks and says, I will not destroy. So you see how those are parallels, contrasting opposites? Then go down to letter C. In chapter 7, God speaks again, and he tells Noah and his family, go into the ark. Well, then look down at C prime. God speaks again after the flood and tells them, go out from the ark. And then look at D. The flood begins in chapter 7, verse 11. And then D prime says, the earth dries. So you've got this contrast. The earth is filled with flood, and then the earth dries. And then right in the middle, the waters rise, and then the waters recede. So what, what is happening here is that the, the author is using this literary device to make a point, and a literal point. Everything is pointing to something in the middle. So as you read all those parallels, and they come down and come down, and right in the middle, there's something there that the writer wants you to see above all else. And look what's in the middle. Genesis 8, verse 1. But God remembered Noah. But God remembered That's what this story is about. It's not about Noah and how good he is, although the story talks about it. It's not about Noah's faith or Noah's righteousness or Noah walking with God, although it talks about all of those things. It's about God remembering him. This story is about God. God is the hero, not Noah. Um... And God remembered Noah in the midst of a world, a culture that had completely forgotten God. So, here's, here's how I want us to break this, um, this down this morning. Um, God remembered Noah in three ways from what I see, and that really, uh, I believe the Lord encouraged me with this week. God remembered Noah first. I'm going to say them, and then we'll just walk through them. God remembered Noah in Noah's sin. That's going to be the first thing we talk about, and and probably the longest one we talk about. God remembered Noah in Noah's sin. In other words, when Noah was forgetting God, along with everybody else, God remembered Noah in his sin. Secondly, God remembered Noah in Noah's waiting There's a time, and we'll get to it in a moment, when Noah perhaps uh, thought that God's silence meant that God had forgotten him. 
or God had abandoned him. So God remembered Noah in Noah's sin. God remembered Noah in Noah's waiting. And then God remembered, the third one, God remembered Noah in Noah's calling. Um, and so we'll, we'll get to that in a moment. Um, God remembered Noah in Noah's sin, in Noah's on, own forgetting. Um, look at verse 8. Verse 8 says of chapter 6 says, But Noah found favor in the eyes of God. Why would, why would he say, but, there? It's because there's a, there's a contrast. <laughs> and, and what he's contrasting is, God has just described, or Moses, by the Spirit, has just described that everyone in Noah's generation, including Noah, had forgotten God. Everyone um, was, as he says, uh, the Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And then he goes on to describe his grief over that, his regret over that, and his plan to uh, blot out every person and creature on the earth. And then it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So Noah... <laughs> is included among those who have sinned and deserve uh, the wrath of God and have grieved the heart of God. But God remembered Noah in the middle of Noah's forgetting God. And that's what verse 8 is just another description of God remembering Noah. He found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Now here's, here's where we get a little confused. Then it goes on to say, in verse 9, that Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, and Noah walked with God. Um, and it's easy at this point to say that the reason God remembered Noah, I mean, the reason that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord, is because Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation, and he walked with God. Uh, it'd be very easy to do that. I used to think that way all the time about these verses. Oh, Noah was a good guy, and so he found favor in the eyes of the Lord. But that's not what this text says. <laughs> um, a couple of thoughts. First, this statement that Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord is kind of a summary statement um, of a summary of the whole story. Verses 5 through 8 are, are, are summarizing the entire story. And then in verse 9, the story begins. And so even before the story of Noah is told, we're told that Noah was a man who found favor in God's eyes, that God gave him grace. In fact, that's what that word favor is. It's the Hebrew word uh, for grace. And grace is not something that can be earned by definition. Um, it is something that be can be found, however. For example... Tim Keller puts it this way. Suppose you found a $100 bill on the ground outside of the Bachman this morning. First of all, you'd be thrilled and your family would have lunch. But you find a $100, $100 bill out there. Um, you didn't earn the $100. You found it. 
there's, there's a big difference between you can earn $100 or you can find it and it's yours, but you didn't any, do anything to get it. it. It came to you. That's what we're talking about here. Noah found favor. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And so his righteousness and blamelessness and walking with God are all responses to God's grace, not ways to earn God's grace. Make sense? So in that way, God remembered Noah in the middle of his sin when he had forgotten God. God remembered him. And friends, this is the beauty of the whole story of Noah's life and this flood and this ark. This is, this is the gospel in, in technicolor, in vivid, um, in vivid lines and colors. Um, here, here's the story of the flood. People are in sin. They're lost. They're totally dead in their sin. No one is righteous, not even one, including Noah. And God, being a righteous and holy God, will not let that go on forever. He has to judge. He has to make things right. And so he plans to wipe them all out with his judgment of a flood. And yet, God remembers Noah, and Noah finds favor in his eyes, and God provides a way of escape from his own judgment for a sinner who doesn't deserve it, for eight sinners who don't deserve it. He provides an ark. He provides a way uh, for Noah and his family to not be beaten by the rain of his judgment, of God's judgment. And so he invites them, he commands them to, by faith, enter into his provision of salvation and rescue, to enter into the ark. Now, you see it clearly, right? You see it clearly. This is, this is the story of Jesus. It's the story of the gospel. Um, all of us, the Bible says, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Paul said in Romans. All of us, none of us is righteous, no, not one. We all deserve the wrath of God. And Paul says in Romans that the wrath of God is being stored up. It's like, it's like there's this giant tarp uh, in heaven and the wrath of God is just being piled up and piled up and piled up and piled up. And there will come a day, Paul says in Romans, where it will be released and it will fall on all of us. So judgment is sure to come. And yet, the God who has every right to judge, and he will, also provides a way of escape from his own judgment. He provides Jesus. And he invites us, and he says, everyone who will enter into Jesus by faith, uh, like Noah and his family had to trust that God's way of saving them was true and going to work. 
And they had to put their entire selves into that plan of salvation called an ark. And that is what we must do to be saved from the sure and just wrath of God. We have to put all of ourselves into the one he sent to rescue us from his own wrath. And so, this whole story is an illustration of what Paul said when he said, by grace you are saved, through faith, not of your own works, so that no one can boast. Um, God in his grace offers us a way of escape. We, by faith, receive it. We trust it. Friends, that's the beauty of this story. If you get nothing else this morning, I know for some of you, you're like, I knew that. I knew that. Good. (laughs) But the author of Hebrews says, be careful. Pay attention to what you've heard in the gospel about Jesus, lest you drift away from it. And he goes on to say, for how can we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? So friends, if you know this story is a picture of what Jesus has done for you, then pay attention to it. Rejoice in it. Um, Rejoice that God has remembered you. But if this is the first time, maybe this has become clear to you that, that God has a right to be angry and to judge your sin. And of course, uh, in our day and age, nobody wants to follow and trust a God who's all judgy. But at the same time, we demand justice, don't we? Well, this, this God demands justice. He is actually the God our culture is looking for. He's the one who has said he will make things right. And so if, if you're discovering wow, I'm just like Noah. Um, I forget God. Uh, My heart is, the intentions of my heart are are evil. Even the good things that I do, I do for myself, really. Then I plead with you. God has sent an ark to rescue you from his wrath, and his name is Jesus. Get in. Trust him, and you will be saved from God's wrath. So God remembered Noah in Noah's sin. And when you are overwhelmed by your sin and by your tendency to forget God, remember that God remembers you. So God also remembered Noah in Noah's waiting um, what do I mean by this? This is, this is interesting. One, one commentator writing in the 1800s pointed this out. Um, while Noah and his family were on the boat, they were on there for a year. And it's interesting that God was silent during that time. Um, I think I said that God's, the last time God spoke was to go into the ark. And the next time he speaks is when he tells them to come out. 
So God's quiet during, as far as we know, during this, this time. And um, this one pastor scholar uh, wondered about Noah and wondered, there he is with his family floating in this loud, smelly boat. Um, perhaps he's thinking about what lies at the bottom of the water that's underneath him. And he's, he hasn't heard from God. He doesn't know how long this is going to take. Um, and he wonders, has God forgotten me too? Has he, has he just decided, I've destroyed everybody. Noah deserves it too. I'm just going to let him go. And I appreciate that thought about what Noah might have been going through. Because I, I know from talking to many of you and from my own experience that we go through times when we're, yeah, God rescued me, but where is he now? Has he forgotten me? Has he abandoned me? It's hard to wait. It's hard when God's silent. Um, But here's something else that's really amazing about the way this story is structured that helps me to know that God remembers us in our waiting. He remembered Noah in his waiting. It was a quiet remembering. But God did not abandon his plan to rescue Noah and renew the earth. Let me show you why. There's another chiasm. It's not as long as this one. But it goes like this. It's about the number, it's about numbers. You can go back and look it up, but it talks about seven days of waiting for the flood. And then it'll talk about seven more days again of waiting for the flood. And then it'll talk about 40 days of rain and flooding, and then the water prevailed, it says, over the earth for 150 days. And then, after, after that year of time, it says that for 150 days, the waters receded or abated. And then... After that, it says that Noah waited another 40 days as the waters receded and abated. And then he started sending out those birds, remember? And one time it says he waited seven days. And then another time it says he waited seven days. You say, well, that's really cool. And again, it's nerdy Bible study stuff. But let me tell you what this tells us. That when God is quiet and silent, he's not forgotten you. He's remembering you. He was remembering Noah. This was so intricately planned out by God. His timing is perfect. God, God wasn't, he did this on purpose. So for Noah, God is remembering him He's remembering his plan. He's not abandoned his promise to Noah to do what he says he's going to do. 
God's got it figured out. And so let me encourage you and myself that as we're in a time of waiting where we're, where we're thinking, where, where is God? What is he up to? What's he doing? Is he doing anything? Has he left us? Has he abandoned us? Um, nope. <laughs> he's got it all sorted out. And he's working on his timetables, not mine. Right? You can be confident that God remembers you in your waiting. And the last, last oh, before we get to the third one, um, it's at this point that Noah remembers God. Where do I see that? Look at chapter 8, verses 20 and 21. This is after they're out of the ark. Um, it says in verse 20, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the offer, altar. And when the Lord smelled the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. The first thing Noah does when he gets off the ark is he, he remembers God in worship. He responds to God's remembering him by remembering God. And here's what's kind of interesting. It says that he built an altar. I'd never noticed this before. He took some of every clean animal and some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings. Every, that was a long worship service longer than ours. It, that had to have taken a long time and a lot of work and a lot of blood for Noah to sacrifice those animals. And here's what's cool is he had to remember that God had already provided for him to be able to do it because way back in chapter 7, God said, take just two of the unclean animals, a male and a female, and that'll preserve, that'll preserve them. But I want you to take seven pairs of the clean animals because I want you to have enough to be able to worship me when you get off this boat without extinguishing these species. God remembered, I mean, Noah remembered God and responded to God's remembering him in worship. Well, the third way that God remembered Noah was in Noah's calling. Look at verses 1 and 7 of chapter 9. And God blessed Noah and his sons, and he said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. He says it again in verse 7, And you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth, and multiply in it. Here's the interactive part. Somebody tell me, where have we heard that before? God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Adam and Eve. God is starting over. He, he's wiped everything clean and he's starting over with one man and his family. And he's blessing them and saying, here's your calling. I want you to be fruitful and multiply I want you to live in covenant with me and go, and I want you to spread uh, 
and fill the whole earth, not with violence like it was filled before the flood, but with faithfulness. Fill the earth with people who walk with me, God is saying. Like Adam and Eve used to walk with me in the garden. Like Enoch walked with me. Like you walk with me, Noah. And did they, were they faithful to do that? That's interactive again. You can answer that. Were they faithful to do that? What was one of the first things Noah did after all of this? He planted a vineyard, got drunk, laid naked. You can read the story. I'm not going to get into it. His sons, that family was a mess, y'all. The family was a mess. No, they didn't do it perfectly. They didn't do it perfectly. And so God needed to keep reminding them that he was remembering them. And how did he do that? He gave them a sign. He gave them a sign called a bow. Now, we call it a rainbow, but the the Hebrew just calls it a bow, and the word is actually referring to a warrior's bow. And God um, put his bow in the sky. He, He hung it up. And it was a sign for Noah and his family and for all generations to remember that God had uh, let go the arrows of his wrath on humankind and animal kind one time in this great and disastrous flood. And he promised he wouldn't do that again. But it was also a promise looking forward to something else. Uh, looking forward to... You know, so Noah has now proven that he is not the seed of the woman, the offspring of the woman that they've been looking for. It may have seemed like it because there are so many similarities between him and Adam. He's not the second Adam that they've been looking for. But the bow in the sky was a reminder that God still has a plan to bring that one to save his people from the sure judgment that still needs to come. Um, and that one would be Jesus. And here's what's fascinating about, about the bow in the sky, the rainbow. When it's hanging there, uh, here's another interactive. Which way is the bow curved when we see it in the sky? Which way is the bow pointing? It's not pointing at us. It's a reminder that when the second Adam comes, when the offspring of the woman comes who will make all things new, he will receive the wrath that his people deserve. Again, he is the ark and the rains of wrath beat down on him. The bow is pointed at God because God has promised that he would remember us by taking on his own wrath for our sin. And so the covenants and the signs of the covenants that are to come, uh, the rainbow, circumcision, um, uh, Passover, all these things are 
are given to us as reminders that God remembers us. Because in order for us to fulfill the calling that we've been given, like Noah, we need to be reminded that he remembers us. Because we're, we're God-forgetters. And friends, that's what this table is for us this morning and every week. It, it, is, it is the second Adam's body and blood given for us. And when, remember, Jesus said, when you eat this, remember me. When you drink this, remember me. This morning, I want you to think of this as you come. Um, I want you to hear Jesus saying through this table, remember that I remember you. So we had up here, but God remembered Noah. Every time you come to this table, you and I need to think, but God remembered Jimmy. But God remembered Laura. But God remembered Alice. But God remembered Nink. But God remembered Taylor. But God remembered Joshua. Did all of us remember him? No, no, no. We're all God forgetters. But this table reminds us that the good news is not that we're good we have a good memory. The good news is that God remembers us. Thanks be to God. Father, would you come and encourage us with that good news this morning? Um, thank you for such a rich, a rich, true story about Noah and the flood and the ark. And um, I pray that you would uh, encourage us all to dig into it more there's so much more there than we've even barely begun to to see this morning and would you let it be an encouragement to your people at mountain fellowship that you haven't forgotten us even when we've forgotten you you remember us and let this table uh, be for us a weekly reminder god remembered Mountain Fellowship. In Christ's name I pray, amen.